Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Jocelyn. Welcome back to the show. I'm excited to be back. Uh, it's been it's been a few weeks now, and uh, I hate to disappoint everyone who I know wants just so much Zelda content, but I still haven't finished uh, Tears of the Kingdom, but I promise this time I have a good reason. Um, So it's also the reason I missed a couple of shows, missed a couple of weeks, uh, and why I haven't played as much Final Fantasy 16 as I wanted to. Um, So, I mean, everybody knows that I'm expecting in October, and apparently with that comes a higher risk of stroke. They don't think I had a stroke, but I definitely had an episode while playing tears of the kingdom i lost a bunch of my vision i had a bunch of numbness i had a a lot of confusion and it lasted for a couple hours and it was really 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 scary so uh ever since then i've been uh going to the hospital they've been monitoring me really closely i had an mri which is a thing i've never had before and that was scary (laughs) so uh anyways everything Knock on wood seems okay. They still don't know what happened or why, but uh, I've got some more tests and stuff coming up. But as a result, uh, I've been a little bit scared (laughs) to play video games, honestly, especially Tears of the Kingdom, (laughs) because that's what I was playing when it happened. So uh, anyways, I have played a little bit of Final Fantasy 16, but uh, yeah, it's been a it's been kind of a. A crazy couple of weeks for me, health-wise, so uh, apologies. We still can't talk about the Zelda ending, but I hope you guys are understanding. I think folks are very understanding, and now that they know that uh, <laughs> Zelda uh, took It literally shot broke my brain. Yeah, like <laughs> Zelda actually made my brain explode. So yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, well, it's good that you took time to recover and you have not returned to Zelda. As I, and look, for listeners at home, I said to Jocelyn, like, just don't go back to the game. It's fine. <laughs> Read the ending. I don't think Wikipedia is going to hurt you as much as Tears of the Kingdom did. And I think that's probably the best approach at the like, I think you could even YouTube the ending. I I don't think Nintendo is that litigious about their uh, about their streaming these days. You could probably you could probably Google the ending, although the ending the end of fight is pretty cool. But uh, I feel like you could. Yeah, for your own safety, (laughs) maybe that might be best. I know, which is so ridiculous, right? It's not like, ridiculous. It is not ridiculous. You gotta, you gotta think about yourself. You gotta, you gotta take yeah. care of yourself. Well, and that's the thing. I'm like, is Zelda like, is Tears of the Kingdom literally so stressful to me that it caused my brain to like short circuit? Like, come on, it can't be that bad, right? I don't know. You mean Tears of the Kingdom? Uh, yeah, it could yeah. be. It could be. It, it really <laughs> it depends be. on your. On uh, on on whether you like breaking weapons or not, it it just depends yeah. on that. <laughs> well, yeah. So uh, I mean, I I did think about that. I did think about like looking it up and YouTubing it and everything else. And I'm like, I kind of want to experience that final fight. So I'm working my way up to it, guys. I promise. I'm working my way up to it. And in the meantime, so <laughs> I literally started 
watching my husband play Final Fantasy 16 because I was like, okay, maybe if I'm not holding the controller, I can like watch it like a movie because I've been able to watch TV and stuff. So I'm like, okay, I'll watch it like a movie and see if there's anything crazy because Final Fantasy 16 does have a lot of like visual effects and stuff, especially with the um, like all of the skills and abilities and combos and stuff. There's a lot of particle effects, lots of flashing lights, all that kind of stuff. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch it like a movie, see if it makes my brain explode. Brain didn't explode. So I started playing it myself. <laughs> kind of like I say, I've been like working myself up to all of this. Um, and Ryan, I think, did you play the demo of Final Fantasy 16? I did. Yeah, I played through the entirety of the demo. And uh, actually, I really enjoyed my time with the game. I'm just, I've held off on buying it because there's so much going on right now, video game wise. And I wanted to give a a fair shake. Well, and it's Elden pricey. Ring. It's pricey yeah. too, right? So, and that's kind of the thing with a lot of these AAA titles now is like you're talking the better part of a hundred dollars, sometimes over a hundred dollars, if you know, because Canada tax, you know. Uh, so, I mean, it's the kind of thing where it's like it used to be. Yeah, we'll just pick up everything. Why wouldn't we? And now it's like, oh man, we have to really stop and think about <laughs> you know what else is going on, and you know, can I actually spend that kind of money? So I totally get it. And the reason that we went in and picked up Final Fantasy 16 is we both had played the demo, my husband and I. And so we're like, okay, this is a game I know that we will both play through its entirety. So I'm like, okay, this is definitely going to be worth the money for us in our household because it's like one game for it's, you know, going to cover both of us for a gaming experience. So it was kind of a no brainer for us. But I definitely understand that like, price of games is no longer trivial not that it ever really was but you know it's it's very significant now so yeah we thought that was a good purchase for our household but i totally understand holding off and like waiting for a sale or something especially when it's a single player experience you don't have to play it at the same time as your friends um and uh yeah so uh i had played through the demo i've now um probably like two hours or so past the end of the demo so like i I literally have just scratched the surface, guys, but I love it. I really, really like it so far. Like I, I talked about the visual effects already, which are so pretty and satisfying. Uh, but one thing I really like is um, the way that they have incorporated their kind of like difficulty accessibility settings. Um, and I know that like, some people are probably not going to agree with me because basically what they've done is they've taken, uh, you have like the ability, first of all, to choose like story based or action based. So like, do you want the combat to be a little bit more um, difficult? And that is based like that's in your settings. But then once you're actually in the game, as you unlock different abilities and different things that you can do and different companions and stuff, you get accessories that can go with them that are like, you know, slow down time so you have more time to dodge. You can wear a ring that lets you just push one button and it does all your combos for you. I am definitely using that ring, by the way. There's uh, there's things that let your, your puppy dog, you know, attack automatically instead of you having to give it commands. Um, there's, uh, what else is there? Oh, there's a, like an auto dodge ring. It's like if you if you are really bad at hitting that R1 button, you can just equip a ring and it automatically dodges every dodgeable ability from a boss. Um, so it's like you can kind of mix and match your difficulty settings within these three um, accessory slots. And then if you don't want to use any, you know, kind of extra at 
uh, I don't want to say like cheats, but like <laughs> anything, if you don't want to use anything that makes it easier, you can uh, use those slots for other things. So uh, I'm not 100% sure why, but I had a couple of things in my inventory. Maybe it was like, um, I don't think we bought a collector's edition, but maybe Matt secretly bought a collector's edition. I don't know. Or it might have rolled over because I know he also played um, 15 on the PlayStation. So it might've been like a bonus for, for playing that as well. Um, but anyways, there was a couple of uh, accessories and a sword and stuff like that waiting in like the system inventory that you had to claim. And those were like gain a 10% bonus to XP. So like allows you to level faster, but doesn't change your combat at all. And so I, I kind of like the mix and match kind of thing, because it's the sort of thing where like, once I got the handle of dodging, then I took the dodge ring off and I used it for my pet commands, you know, so you can kind of like get a little bit of extra help while you're learning, but then you have the option to change it later, which I think is kind of a cool uh, way to incorporate accessibility. I know there's some people that probably want all of the things, but you know, you are limited by your three slots. Yeah, we talked a little bit about... um sort of the approachability accessories that they had uh, when Travis was on the show on our last episode. And it, and it was really an interesting uh, approach to sort of offering these uh, these abilities to players to to basically like, hey, you don't feel like dodging if you're like me, Ryan, terrible at dodging. Uh, a dodge assist accessory sounds really good. And whether you use that to, you know, just try to learn the timing better or try to um, uh, just just get better at dodging uh, or or you just use it to avoid having to worry about dodging at all. Like that sounds like a great approach from a development standpoint to be like, let's have as many folks of as many skill levels play this game. Uh, you know, I, I, having playing Elden Ring right now, it, it's um, <laughs> it's sort of the opposite conversation where there are just there are so many options in Elden Ring, but there aren't options that kind of like directly say, hey, equip this. And then uh, a portion of the game becomes a little bit more approachable. You know, um, there's no dodge ring in Elden Ring. Do I wish there was? Yes, because, again, I'm terrible at dodging. <laughs> um, that being said, there are, there are pieces of equipment and direct uh, equipment lines that you can follow uh, in builds to kind of make it a bit easier, depending on how you play action uh, RPGs. It's like shoring up your weaknesses. And I feel like you can, I mean, they may not be as explicit or like you just said, you have a dodge weakness. So like maybe if you know you're going up against fire enemies in Elden Ring, then you equip like fire armor. Yeah. I don't know if those things are things, guys. I'm just saying. No, that's accurate. <laughs> so, there are fire enemies, oh, okay. <laughs> lots of fire. And, and fire resist gear. Awesome. Yes. So then it's like, you may not be able to dodge perfectly, but then if you get hit, then you're not as punished. That's my strategy is essentially yeah. <laughs> make sure that uh, I know I'm going to get hit. Just make sure that when I get hit, I don't die, you know, so so give yeah. me enough armor, <laughs> give me enough block, that sort of thing. Yeah. So uh, so, yeah, I feel like it's kind of um, just the same, only different. Like you're you're taking something that, you know, you're not great at. So like for me, I still want to dodge, but having a little bit of extra time is going to help me not die. And uh, so it's like that extra time on the dodge is very similar to like, I know I'm bad against fire enemies, so I'm going to wear fire resist gear. So, um, yeah, I think I, I like their... Um, 
the options that they kind of give you through those accessories and and it's a pretty cool system so far uh and i'm really really enjoying it and i am i am definitely like i feel kind of bad because like i'm i'm literally using the ring that lets me push one button and does just automatically does all my combos for me and it's because I've never actually really played a Final Fantasy game before. I dabbled in 14, the MMO, um, 15, like 13, I wasn't really interested in because I thought that you had to, like, I didn't realize that you had a different story every time. I literally thought I was 12 games behind. <laughs> so I didn't really get into 13 at all. And then, you know, 14 was the MMO. And then 15 was that, like, weird like modern kind of take on it and i mean i'm you guys know i'm a big fantasy person so like i like a more medieval castles and fairy dust type realm uh and 15 didn't have that feel to me but 16 16 seems right up my alley so i'm really 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 enjoying it but the whole idea of like combos and stuff is it's a lot when I'm new to, you know, everything, the world, the UI, the, the story, the characters, like everything is new to me. So it can be overwhelming. So I like that at least for the first little bit, I can be like, okay, I understand there are combos, but I would really like just a range button and a melee button. Now that's what I have. Perfect. Yeah. No, I, I, I didn't uh, dabble with the, the combo buttons, but the combos, uh, at least early on felt like very much push uh, push one button multiple times. But uh, from what I understand, it gets a, a lot more uh, intense and uh, down the road. But I've watched Matt play some stuff. I think he's got like 40 or 50 hours into it now. And I watch him play and I'm just like, holy shit. <laughs> I am not prepared for that. <laughs> yeah. Being able to remember all the different combos. I think that was a struggle that you had had with god of war right like because it was definitely early on there was a lot of more more simplistic combos but then as you go it's like okay now you need to remember to hit l2 plus r1 then shift over to triangle square and and like there's a lot they do a lot with that controller in god of war mm -hmm. and i would imagine that they will do the same with with final fantasy 16 i i mean even in demo you you unlock some of the phoenix powers which requires you to hold down the R2 button and then hit square or, or triangle. So mm -hmm. there's a lot going on there. And uh, even, you know, here's the other thing. Like, even if you just want to have a session of Final Fantasy 16 where you're not having to worry about combos, like just equipped it for, you know, it's been a long day. I've had a lot of summer just started here. Kids are out of school. So there's a lot of evenings where it's just like, man, I cannot play Elden Ring. I'm just going to play something super quiet maybe something i'm familiar with a retro game or or the game we're going to talk about later on dave the diver but with final fantasy 16 it might be like you know what tonight is a you know automatic combo night for final fantasy 16 yeah. <laughs> that sounds like relaxing able to progress the story you might even want to use that for side quests i hear the side quests are like hit and miss in the game so to be able to kind of just like one button push through them both with dialogue and with combat um that would help with the completionist of me as well. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's good that there are options there. Yeah. And I think that because they're options, but they're not implemented as like a menu. I think that's why I think of them as more interchangeable 
Um, you know, other other games absolutely have had the ability to turn these sort of accessibility things on and off. But I kind of because they're like hidden in the settings in the main menu and whatever, like they're buried in a sense versus like my inventory and my gear, which is something that I'm constantly going into update. Right. So it's like this system is a little bit more front and center to you and kind of is just always there as a reminder that like if you want to change things up, you absolutely can. So it's like makes me think about it more, but in a good way. You know, like it's it's something that I can actively manage if I want to. And it's like, hey, just a reminder, if you're if you've learned how to dodge, maybe, you know, swap out a ring as opposed to, you know, going into settings and, and changing everything. Because usually in games, I go in and I set my difficulty and my accessibility once, like right at the very beginning, and I never think about it again. And Final Fantasy 16 gives you the option to think about it a little more often. And I think so far, at least, that's been a good thing to me. I really like how they've uh, implemented that. Mm, that's a good point. I hadn't. That was also something we talked about is like, oh, does it make sense as an accessory where you can only equip three at a time? Or as an option and i do like the idea of because it's an accessory you can kind of like it forces your your brain to kind of like check out like okay like do i want to equip this new accessory that i got or do i want to keep these these uh, approachability options available to myself so like that's uh that's a that's a good way of looking at it too because this way you can you can revisit it every time you pick up a new accessory and be like okay yeah no i'm gonna swap this one out and and mm -hmm. i'm going to directly control uh, the dog, which I can't remember. I never got that ability Torgal. in the demo. Torgal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, the puppy rejoins you shortly after you uh, finish going through your aging up because <laughs> the demo is uh, the demos mostly when you're younger. Right. So. Right. Right. Well, that's so that's good. I mean, it uh, it's definitely a game that I am going to check out at some point. I feel like it, it will go on sale like enough to sort of push me over the edge because I don't think it's going to go get a deep discount it is it is exclusive to the PlayStation 5. So it's going to hold its value mm -hmm. uh, just because it is exclusive. I'm assuming you bought it digitally. Uh, yes. OK, we well, hey, maybe maybe in the future you'll have more physical games. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing more thoughts on it because I, I know I know the setting alone being more medieval fantasy and Game of Thrones related. We talked a lot about that. Uh, I have a feeling you're going to dig that one. Yeah, very much so. It's it's much more up my alley. And and so I'm I'm interested to see where it goes again. Like I am not familiar really with the world or the characters and stuff. And I know that there are some things that kind of repeat in every game or are reimagined in every game. And there's some stuff that's just totally, completely and utterly new. So I know a lot of people, you know, have have thoughts and feelings <laughs> about uh, Final Fantasy in specifically 16 in the story. So I'm looking forward to getting through a little bit more of it and seeing how things progress. And then uh, I hope people are interested to know what I think is kind of a first time Final fantasy -er. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think that that is actually um, I'm really looking forward to hearing that because, again, like I I'm not a first time Final Fantasy player, but like I would consider myself closer to first time than um than like longtime fan like I've known of Final Fantasy for for quite a while I've dabbled with you know the GBA remakes they made way back in the day of like one and two 
uh and i don't even know what they were yeah i guess you would you would qualify them as remakes but uh the only final fantasy game i've ever finished was final fantasy 7 remake and and it is a final fantasy game but you know it's a it's a different um take on a classic so having not ever finished the original final fantasy 7 but only the the remake um yeah like i would still consider myself a fan for sure like but uh i i've I've only finished one of them um but i haven't finished a lot of games uh that is a trend here i've started a lot <laughs> so uh, i don't want to get ahead of that before folks say well ryan how many games have you finished it's like well uh, a good chunk but you know there there are more started than finished that's for sure well, I know something that you've started lately. Uh, tell me about Dave the Diver, because like my feeds are going crazy for this game. What is this all about? Yeah, Dave the Diver is uh, is a very unique game, and and it's one that was in early access for um, uh, the last couple of years, maybe I think. And and I had just sort of checked in on it uh, near the tail end of early access earlier this year. I think it might have been when we had a guest on in, in the spring time frame. Um, but Dave the Diver has launched in 1.0 out of early access as of the end of June. I've been playing it for um, a little bit now, just as I, uh, uh, you know, dusted off after the early access content and have been exploring, you know, outside of that realm. But the idea behind Dave the Diver is that you play Dave. He is a diver. He dives into these this specific ocean. It's called the Blue Hole. And it is a uh, single player. (laughs) Yes, it is the blue hole. Uh, And it is mysterious. I think even when you when you dive in, it is described as the mysterious blue hole. So there you go. Um, And it's a it's a single player adventure game, uh, RPG style featuring uh, deep sea exploration. Like that's the core component of the first part of the game or the cycle of the game is that you are exploring the deep sea. You are fishing. Uh, you are trying to collect as many fish as you can uh, using your harpoon gun and various other tools that you unlock over the course of your gameplay. But the main thing you have is this uh, is this harpoon gun that you're using to capture these fish. And you may be wondering, say, well, why are you capturing these fish? Like that sounds like a lot of fish. What are you doing? Are you just selling them and then going back into the depths every day and making more money? Um, not exactly. Like. It's one of those genre smashers where it's like part fishing exploration game, but also it's a sushi restaurant management game. Oh, I do like to manage me a restaurant. Yeah, yeah. And it is um, it is a very good one of those setups. Like I find that there's a lot of these sim management games that can either lean too hard into the hectic mayhem of it. It's like, oh, you thought you had everything under control. Well, guess what? Now the kitchen's on fire. Now you got to do the fire extinguisher <laughs> I feel minigame. like you are very specifically talking about overcooked. <laughs> uh, I'm Well, yes, uh, that as well as my own cooking. You know, like uh, I've never had to use a fire extinguisher, but like anytime the smoke alarm goes off, the kids know that daddy's cooking. So, uh, <laughs> so but in this game, it kind of like it, it does a really good job of continuously adding new stuff to the to the formula but very well balanced i i um i I think i'm like around chapter six and they're constantly adding new features but unlike other games i'm not feeling overwhelmed it's like oh there's a new farm that they've added so now you can like plant vegetables to use as ingredients for your meals again like 
it's more layers, but it doesn't really feel like they're overwhelming me. It, it just feels like another like, oh, cool, there's another system to engage with, and this is really well balanced. Um, but the the restaurant management side of it is basically you have uh, you have a cook. You don't do any of the cooking. You are more the front line. Like when you start the game, you are the person serving serving the food, pouring the drinks. And there are various sort of like mini games based around that. So like when you're pouring a drink, you have to hold down the right control stick to uh, pour just the right amount of tea. And <laughs> oh, I feel like I would I would mess that up so bad. <laughs> there would just be tea everywhere. <laughs> that is an option. Uh, it's not preferable. I don't think our uh, customers really enjoy having tea <laughs> all over their uh, all over their eating surface. But you know what? It It's possible. Um there's the you have a drink on the menu and again like things expand over time like um i think later on you get you get to serve beer which is a different type of little mini game um and food food is prepped so you prepare a menu ahead of time uh based on the ingredients you have and then the cook behind you uh, behind the counter will cook those meals and and he is a character uh his name is not dave his name is banchu and he uh, he is the chef, and there's like a whole story behind it all. There's a story about why Dave is is opening this restaurant alongside Banchu, and you I know, thought you were gonna say there's a story of why Dave is a diver. No, I mean like he just likes to dive, Jocelyn. That's, that's, that's the backstory. <laughs> I mean it is fair, yeah. Like it, it, they don't really go into it. Now maybe I'm not, I haven't gotten that far, and there's like, you know, uh, some tragic backstory. <laughs> yeah, like a like a dark middle chapter where they talk about why he's a diver. <laughs> uh like empire strikes back type thing or mass effect 2 i don't know we'll get there uh but the the chef prepares the meals you go get them from the chef and then you bring them out to the customer and then you know that's sort of the mechanics of uh the restaurant management is you're setting up the meals you're you're taking the meals to the customers and you're kind of just walking back and forth as a character and it's very simple but also very satisfying cuz it has the numbers popping up it has your um, you see tips coming in from customers. You see there's a social media aspect to it as well. Uh, sort of a, an Instagram sort of copy where, you know, uh, customers will post photos of your food and you can like them. And you can also upgrade your restaurant based on your, uh, I think it's called Cooksta app ranking. And that allows you to get more recipes and just basically upgrade your restaurant. But like I said, like that restaurant management part isn't like it starts simple and they slowly add these layers onto it um, to the point where you can then hire staff, which helps with those helps you manage those layers. So you can hire staff that may be very good at helping with cooking. So this way you can prepare meals faster uh, or the staff might be good at uh, serving the food so that they'll handle the serving while you handle the drink pouring. And then you can train the staff and then the staff can then do the drink pouring and then you can handle the food. So like it gets more hectic, but you have these systems at play where you can uh, help manage uh, uh, Dave's ability to serve food and, and, and help with the restaurant. And on top of all this, Jocelyn, there's like a whole story going on. It's very narrative driven. Um, that was my biggest surprise because I kind of figured like a lot of these games have these, they put their systems front and forward and it's like, okay, we're going to focus on fishing. We're going to focus on the restaurant stuff. You're going to see numbers go up and you're going to be happy about that. 
But in this game, they do all that. Plus, there's a whole story and missions and stuff you have to do alongside uh, running your restaurant. And it doesn't punish you for focusing on the story or maybe focusing on your restaurant and making a bunch of money and upgrading your gear. Like, it kind of just lets you go at your own pace. Like, there are game over moments, but it's usually based on mandatory boss fights that you you fail uh you fail at the combat so there is combat sorry jocelyn there are sharks uh but you do have the tools at your disposal to deal with them um including running away that's that's one of the tools i employ a lot as long as running away is a tool in my toolkit i am happy (laughs) exactly although it's kind of ridiculous that i could outrun a shark so i don't know how believable that is because <laughs> you know i want some some realistic um combat and physics in my dive sushi restaurant management game <laughs> well i mean uh i don't think you're gonna get the realism here uh which is good because i find that like most of the fun stuff comes from uh the non-realistic stuff that pops up like for example one of the boss fights i had early on uh was uh, a giant shrimp with boxing gloves like we're talking like size of the screen giant um so you know and it, it's it it does not take itself seriously which is uh really cool i i love the tone of it all and the animation like if you look at screenshots of this it's hard to tell when it's not in motion but there's like a mix of 2D high def pixel art that you see in a lot of those like Final Fantasy pixel remakes and stuff like that or Octopath Traveler but there's a mix of 3D objects as well so a lot of like the landscapes and the boats are 3D objects but the characters and the fish and such are 2D and they kind of mix that really well it looks so so cool uh it's such a great art style and on top of that they have these like really cool flourish animations so every time you upgrade a dish in the restaurant um, or uh, or learn a new recipe, it'll show this like really cool animation flourish uh, that is I, you're never going to skip them. You're going to want to watch them all. There's like three or four that they kind of cycle through for each type of animation. And they are just superb. Like uh, they are they are the thing to watch. Like there's they are just so cool. And it's all about style. It's all about, you know, managing the, the the simulation side of it all. But like, there's also this attention to detail as you're like diving through the world and, and finding new fish. And there are aggressive fish that are going to come after you in which you will have to defend yourself or run away. But a lot of the fish you're encountering are just like there and they're not bugging you as long as you don't bug them. And, uh, it's, uh, it's relaxing as well like there's a relaxing aspect to it as long as you stay away from the sharks it's relaxing (laughs) so you're telling me basically that like if i'm looking for something else to play to mix in with final fantasy 16 in order to kind of ease myself back into games then dave the diver is a good choice i think so i think dave the diver is uh it's a different game it's not one that you've you're playing now it's not one that you've likely played before uh, it's going to remind you of probably some games like it, it definitely had the the uh cook serve delicious aspect to it of like you know managing a, a restaurant but again they don't go quite as they don't 
they don't focus as much on the mayhem in this game. It really is like this balance of, uh, and if you feel overwhelmed, it's it's likely due to the fact that you know you have to train your staff or reduce your menu and just you find that balance. Like all the tools are there to to find that balance, and um, it is it is very relaxing. It's Steam only right now. I don't know if they have console plans, but as of right now, it's available on Steam, and it may also still have the Steam Summer Sale uh, discount or on there. Um, it might even be an introductory price because uh, it because it did just launch out of early access. Yeah, I think it was like I just looked at it on Steam and I think it was like 16 percent off or something like that. Uh, that might have been the digital deluxe version. I don't really know what the difference between the base version and the digital deluxe is, but uh, that's the one that popped up. So, yeah. So you've got 10 uh, percent off on the base price. Uh, that's uh, ends uh, July 13th. So just in a couple of days. And uh, if you have a Steam Deck, it runs amazing both in handheld and uh docked mode i had no problems um and if you just go to the steam page you'll see automatically just like the animation styles the weirdness that pops in there every once in a while like the different story stuff i mean honestly like if if any of this sounded interesting i would actually avoid the trailers and just pick it up because like part of the fun has just been discovering like okay what are they going to throw at me next what mini game is there going to be? Uh, there was a real, and I'm not going to spoil it, but there was the mini games are usually left uh, to like the main game, like as you're fi- you're uh, fishing and exploring. They they haven't really been in the restaurant outside of like pouring drinks. Well, yeah, because I was going to say you're you're actually not making the food in the restaurant, right? So no, no, I would you're think not. there would be less opportunity for mini games in there. Exactly. But there there was a moment where I was really surprised. Um, there are these moments where there are like VIP events where uh, folks will show up at the restaurant and say like, hey, this restaurant stinks. I bet you couldn't make this. And then the, the cook is like, no, we can make that oh totally. My God. Uh, this is not the dialogue. They do a much better job. The writing in this game is really, really good and funny, um, which I'm not being right now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, although you just laughed, I appreciate that. Um it there are these moments where these VIP events will happen and you have to like find specific food. There was one of those moments where I was like, oh, we're just going to make the food, get a fun special animation, you know, get a bunch of money. But there was a mini game introduced there and I was like, I had no idea this was in there. I don't know if I missed it because they they added it after early access and maybe there were other moments to experience that that I didn't get because I finished that content in early access. But it was like a super fun surprise. And now I'm like, I have another one of those events that popped up and I'm like, I can't wait to uh, to do this because I get to do that little mini game again. And it reminded me of uh, a game that I haven't played in a long time that involved uh, cooking. And um, it was a fun surprise. So I won't spoil it. I think everyone should go check <laughs> this game out because it is so fun and it's so unique. Uh, you've really not played anything like this. And I just saw in the trailer that you can serve martinis. So there's also that. I have not unlocked oh, that that's yet. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm definitely uh, I'm going to give this a shot. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I wanted to take a moment now to thank Smiley Chris for supporting the show. He is our July patron. So thank you so much for supporting the Gamers Inn over at patreon.com slash the Gamers Inn. Did want to remind everybody that we are going to be starting up Game Club soon. Psychonauts 2 is happening. Um, so July 23rd is when we're going to be starting that up in a couple weeks, I guess. Yeah, so uh, our game club leader, uh, LC, is going to post the uh, sort of milestone description on the 23rd, and then we'll start our discussion on the 30th. So just in time 
to uh, to have a quick chat in July and move into August, which is like just crazy to think about. <laughs> we're already talking August, but that's 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 what we're doing. I am not prepared. Oh my god, this year is going by so quickly. I'm scared. I know <laughs> for totally non-video game related reasons. Yeah, what are yeah. you talking about? You're gonna have plenty uh, of uh, fun Nintendo games in the fall, and oh, you'll be able to play them oh, handheld. Man. It'll be great. <laughs> fingers crossed so again if you'd like to support the show if you like what ryan and i are doing head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in that brings us to the news this week we got a couple of little stories for you uh ea has announced that there is a black panther game coming and it's from some of the developers behind middle earth shadow shadow of mordor there's actually um i was looking through the article about this reveal and there's quite a lot of people from quite a lot of uh, kind of big name titles that are going to be working on this game. So how do we feel? I mean, you pl- you played uh, Avengers. How do we feel about more Marvel gaming content? Are you excited? Are you not? Are you sick of it? Because I know a lot of people are like, oh, okay, Marvel, enough. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I'm, I am notorious for uh, not um, feeling the burnout on content. I know... You know, folks who think of the MCU are like, oh, man, I'm just so done with MCU. I'm just going to watch the characters that I like and read some Wikipedia articles to know what's going on when the big events happen. And and I respect that. I get it. There's a lot. Um, but I have never been very good at, I'm still watching the walking dead and we're talking about all the walking dead, even the bad walking dead. And yes, there's good and there's bad <laughs> walking dead. There are so many shows of the walking dead. Um, there are like four. So uh, be glad that you dropped off when uh, Negan popped up. Uh, I actually, honestly, and uh, this is a total aside, yes. <laughs> but uh, I have now watched the entirety of Walking Dead. I'm on the finale, the last half of the finale. So, oh. yeah, I've actually I've caught up because, yeah, I saw that they announced a Negan show and I was like, oh, actually, I kind of want to watch that. Yeah. And it's almost <laughs> out. it's almost done. It is out. But there's, I think, yeah. four of the six episodes are out there. Um, but that all being said, like, I'm just really bad at stopping. Uh, especially when The Walking Dead is like, no, really, we're just going to keep making these because they make money, you know, tax purposes, that sort of thing, feed the content machine. But you could you can go elsewhere if you want. <laughs> and I'm just like, no, no, we'll just keep doing The Walking Dead. But yeah, it, Marvel Games, uh, there are fewer experiences for Marvel Games. And I love that you you threw Avengers out there. But like, I think that that was a good thing because Avengers, one of my favorite parts about Avengers was when they added Black Panther as a hero to that game and and the whole content section related to that hero, you know, with Wakanda and all the characters that come with it. So um, I'm kind of excited to see what they do with like a, a, a wholly focused Black Panther game, especially from some of the developers. I know they name check, you know, as you said, Shadows of Mordor, which to me, like, I think like, you know, Warner Brothers has, well, I guess it's not Warner Brothers, it's EA. So I guess they don't have the nemesis system. I was just going to say like Shadows of Mordor, it feels like you don't name check that unless you're like trying to invoke the nemesis system. But like, yeah, there's been a lot of conversations around whether this game will or won't have it for that exact reason. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that that system was very specific to Shadows of Mordor. I think that they've like copyrighted it or whatever. So I don't know if we're going to see that, but that was like why everyone assumed that they they dropped Shadow Mordor. Because like I said, there's actually like within, uh, I guess, Cliffhanger Games, which is the subsidiary of EA that's putting this game out, 
Uh, they have they have people from uh, Halo Infinite, God of War, Call of Duty. Like, th- there's plenty of other major franchises you could evoke, but they went with Middle Earth: Shadow of Mordor, which is interesting yeah. for that nemesis reason alone. Yeah, and yeah, you're right. They did um, they did like kind of copyright it, like the uh, the base system of the nemesis system, and it's kind of the reason like a lot of companies haven't used it because they don't want to even deal with that. Uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of like the legal process the nemesis system would lend itself to a superhero villain dynamic so well oh my god like i really 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 want to see that implemented because i think that could be a very interesting superhero game black panther game so this is going to be um it's a single player game which also is very interesting to me uh it's going to be third person and i think i also read that it's going to be um black panther and captain america which you know yay captain america but it's it's based in that whole world war ii kind of time span well it's (laughs) interesting because like uh i thought that too originally like i thought they announced this already but this is a different game so, oh. <laughs> the, yeah, there are two Black Panther games. This is the this is the one that is standalone, uh, just Black Panther. But they're, last year they announced um, from Skydance, which is Amy Hennig's uh, studio. Uh, she was behind the Uncharted games, the early Uncharted games. Uh, but that game is World War II focused on um, okay, okay, okay. Black Panther and, and Captain America. But, um, yeah, it is really cool that we are getting... We're getting two. Like, I, I feel like. Well, and this one's really early in development. Like, they literally yeah. have a logo. That is it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's it's very, very, very early. So we're going to get the Captain America and Black Panther World War II one way before we're going to get this one. So it's not a follow up. And I don't even think it's going to be the same sort of thing. Um, but basically, they've said original third person single player. You know, I'm very, very happy with that. More single player things, please. Give me a yes. 20 hour experience and let's go. <laughs> yeah. And it is so weird that we are uh, at a stage where like we are cheering on EA. I know EA has done a lot of work to like move back to the single player experiences. Um, what with uh, having announced Iron Man, they have an Iron Man game they're working on as well, which is single player focused. So like it is really it's really good to see them focusing on single player. Cause I feel like when you look at how expensive it is to build out a campaign, um, it works really well for these, uh, you know, third party publishers that can kind of focus on all platforms, um, to, to make back a lot of the money that it costs to, to build these huge games. So, um, it's good to see EA. Uh, I know they've kind of lost some of the, the star Wars license. Um, they're, they're focusing, um, I mean, they're, they don't they don't have the exclusivity anymore. They can still work on Jedi uh, uh, Survivor follow ups, but it's it's nice to see them looking at Marvel and being like, okay, let's let's try to do this because really before this, it was only Insomniac that was kind of making Marvel games that were kind of breaking out of you know that licensed game feeling, you know. Um, so hopefully, Spider Man can get some some uh, some some audience not audience like a uh, we can get some other. You know, heroes besides Spider-Man with some great superhero Marvel games. Yeah, I think uh, I'm I mean, obviously, EA is a company to be wary of because I think we've seen a lot of attempts at monetization specifically in their games that have 
really not gone over well. Like they have been bad implementations. They've been predatory just in general. It's, it has not been a good time. So I think it's, it's fair to be wary of EA and what they're doing potentially with a Mar with the Marvel license with, you know, black Panther, everything else. So like cautiously optimistic, I think is absolutely fair. Um, the fact that it's a single player game makes me feel a little bit better because there's only so many ways you can kind of monetize a single player game. Right. So I think that, uh, we're probably going to be safe from some of the worst that EA has done in terms of monetization when it comes to a black Panther, uh, single player game, but yeah, well remains to be seen cautiously optimistic because it is EA, but um, I feel like so many video game companies have just made so many missteps lately that it's like EA is almost like not even the worst anymore, <laughs> which is just crazy, crazy to me. Because I yeah. feel like five years ago, we were like, ah, EA, you're the worst company in the world. We hate you. And there's still some of that sentiment out there, but it's definitely spread across like all developers at this point. Like nobody is safe. Nobody's safe. Yeah, I think once... Um... Bioware gets a new game out it, uh, like hopefully hopefully the Bioware games that are coming out shortly hopefully with Dragon Age and such uh, will um will maybe help EA because I, I want I don't want EA like I'm glad that EA is kind of like changing their tune a little bit and you know uh their sports games are probably still going to be riddled with microtransactions like they're not going to get away from that I think that's where a majority of their money comes from is just selling sports microtransactions but the, if that leads us to getting more very cool single player games like um yeah i guess it's a necessary evil i don't know i don't think it is uh, hopefully <laughs> ea can just make great single player games without uh hurting our wallets fingers crossed fingers crossed mm -hmm. uh <laughs> like i don't Good even luck. know i've been trying for like five minutes to think <laughs> of a segue into this next story and i just can't um, TikTok cut off a live stream of Baldur's Gate 3 because they showed a scene where you can have sex with a druid in bear form. There's no good segue. It just doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, at first, like my first gut reaction was like, just why? And like the more I thought about it and I watched the footage and I mean, like it is implemented in a very like funny tongue-in-cheek kind of way like it cuts away from the sex scene and <laughs> just a squirrel up in a tree <laughs> sitting there watching <laughs> about to eat a nut and just like drops the nut and has this like surprised look on its face and I'm like yes I am the squirrel that I am the squirrel um <laughs> but like I think that like it's funny that this makes me go like wait what when like, I'm totally fine with all the romance options in Mass Effect. Like, that was always fine. But, I mean, this seems, I don't know, a little more explicit, potentially. <laughs> like, it literally put up a splash screen of, like, too hot for TV. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, what do they show in-game? Like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. I, I couldn't, uh, like you said, they cut away... Um, there's, there's been some interviews on this and it, it comes back to, you know, uh, Baldur's Gate three and, and the idea behind what Larian's doing with, with a lot of the, their previous games as well is just player choice. You're making a D and D game, right? So player choice is going to be huge and have to be front and center mm -hmm. for people who play D and D to feel like their experience is reflected in the game that you're building. I totally get that. <laughs> Yeah. So this is essentially making sure that uh, 
if we're putting a druid in your party that uh and and your party is romanceable um we have to we want to in- incorporate all those options and that includes this druid being able to to turn into uh, a bear so um which like okay i'll admit i have not played a lot of D. i think i've played it two or three times um i'm not a huge huge fan uh but at the same time i do understand the concept of D, and you always do play with like multiple people right like you need at least a dungeon master and then i would think like two people in a party um but i mean all the D groups that i know of are you know like five and six people is this what your D sessions are guys like tell me in the discord like <laughs> do you just like <laughs> i mean player choice and freedom's one thing but are you sitting around with a bunch of your D friends and then just being like and then me and the bear go at it <laughs> like roll for dexterity <laughs> yeah i guess i i think that was the idea right like that was i i think it's uh it, you know you know why they uh, there was a whole stream and you know why they they showcase this one because you know it gets people talking about the game and and again like i said it does showcase this like we allow players to basically choose to do what they want to do in their playthrough and it's a big cinematic experience. Um, and uh, yeah, like I, I think it makes it. Are you about to say that it was tasteful? It's a cinematic experience. I don't know. I don't know. We only saw like, I mean, the squirrel dropping that nut. Are. I mean, it looked it looked like a triple A gameplay to me. Right. So that's true. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that's something to look forward to. If you're yeah. looking forward to Baldur's Gate 3, which I was and slash M. You still are. You still are. Like this. <laughs> I am. This is a part I, I of don't the game. have to have sex with a bear, but I could. <laughs> yeah, we've established that you could, but uh, yeah. that game's out. Um, we didn't talk about it, but I, they they bumped up the PC schedule. It's going to be out August fifth, and they've delayed it on PlayStation. So if you're a PC player, you actually get a game early instead of broken and late. So, well, I mean, yeah, it might still be broken. It might still be broken. <laughs> Don't get ahead of yourself there. But it is coming early, which is exciting. And never mind. There was a joke in there I'm not going to make. <laughs> so final piece of news tonight. Uh, Square Enix is considering remastering some of its older titles. So is there anything on... I, I had a look ahead of the, the show, and there's nothing really that I think I look at and I go, oh, I'd really like to see a remaster of that. Is there anything in the Square Enix catalog that really kind of appeals to you and you'd like to see them remaster because basically this all this came out of like an earnings call and they were just like we don't have any new games to announce like no information there but we are considering remasters so is there anything that you really want to see yeah i mean the uh the article we linked to kind of name drops the xenogears franchise which is like the precursor to uh xenoblade chronicles but um there was one that gets mentioned a lot, and it's a really popular one, and it's one that I never played, which is uh, Chrono Trigger on the Super NES. And I, I think they've done like remasters or updates to it in the past, but they haven't been well received. And to kind of get another shot at that on modern platforms, because it has been a while, um, would be really cool. So, like, I think that one, because I haven't played it before, and it's one that comes up constantly whenever people talk about RPGs. Uh, it's it's kind of a missing um, kind of a gap, and and it would be nice to see them do a remaster as opposed to like 
a you know a remake twist where it's like ah it starts off as Chrono Trigger but really it's an alternate dimension. <laughs> Poor Final Fantasy. <laughs> yeah, people were giving me uh, we're we're kind of laughing at my ability to spoil Final Fantasy VII remake um, by trying to explain why it was different. It's like well, I mean the game's been up for a while, but. It would be really cool to see them revisit some of these these titles that are beloved amongst fans uh, that is not Final Fantasy VII, like because there are a lot of those games that that uh, Square Enix has in its um, in its vault that they could go back to and and make some cool uh, remasters. Especially now that they've, I think the sort of conversation around this came from they've they've wrapped up the Pixel remaster series and they're like, okay, like what can we apply this to next and and just do a very maybe not simple, but like take the base game and like apply this, this new look and feel to it with modern systems and, and make it playable on modern hardware. I think it would be really cool to have them go back to some of their earlier uh, SNES uh, titles. I, I don't necessarily need them to like delve into their early 3d stuff. Cause I know like that can be a lot of work to, um, to bring that up to what, you know, folks would consider like a remaster quality, but like looking at a 2D sprite based game, like and kind of applying the same, you know, pixel remaster feel to it. I think that would be very cool and and give folks like me the ability to play those games without uh, without having to to play um, the SNES, the SNES version or the PS1 version. I can't remember where Chrono Trigger ended up, but um, yeah, I would love to see Chrono Trigger get a remaster so I can uh, get closer to playing that one. Awesome. So if you guys want to let us know what you want to see remastered out of Square Enix, or if you have any thoughts on anything we've discussed today, do go and check out the Discord. That is bit.ly slash TGI Discord. Also, uh, remember, we do have Psychonauts 2 Game Club coming up. July 23rd is when your first milestone is going to be posted, and July 30th is your first discussion. So again, go and check out our Discord. Otherwise, you can visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com, or you can follow us over on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at JossPlays. Ryan is in our Murphy, and don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. Uh, I did also want to say I'm actually not as active on Twitter now because I have been using Threads. It's the same username over there, so uh, go and follow me over on Threads as well. Uh, Ryan, you're you're over on Threads too, but you have a different username, right? I do. I have the fancy uh, Ryan Murphy username, the the username Ooh. that gets a bunch of people uh, requesting DMs and being like, "Hey, I'll, can I have your name?" And I'm like. There's just too many Ryan Murphys in the world. I thought you were going to say they started asking you questions about like American Horror Story or something. No, it's just some random Ryan Murphy elsewhere in the world being like, ah, <laughs> I, w- I have no idea how I got it on Instagram. I, I think like Instagram, I thought Instagram was always popular, but uh, um, I guess there was a time. <laughs> there was a time where you were just ahead of the curve. <laughs> I guess so, at yeah. one time. <laughs> yeah. Go and check us out again on Threads, Joss Plays, and Ryan Murphy. Uh, So thanks for staying at the Gamers Inn. And remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.